Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in Thursday edition. I'll kick the coverage. I hope all of you are having fantastic starts to your day. Appreciate you spending it with us. Yandi Diaz was the star last night for the Rays as they advance now to uh, the ALDS, uh, the American League Division Series. And if you weren't watching last night or you missed how exactly everything went down, here is what he did to take control of this game for Tampa Bay. The 3-1 pitch on its way. Swing and a drive to right field and deep. Back at it is Loriano to the wall. And what a way to start a game! Yandy Diaz goes oppo and he gives the Rays a 1-0 lead right out of the gate. Now the pitch to him. Swing and another one. Deep in the air towards right field. Heading back, Loriano turns and looks. How about another homer? Yandy Diaz makes it 4-0 Rays. So a uh, that was en route to, I believe, a 5-1 victory for the Rays. We are now set with eight teams remaining in Major League Baseball, and uh, all will be off and rolling. We also have uh, the beginning of NFL Week 5 tonight with a, uh, with a pretty good game uh, that will be airing on Fox. The Rams, fresh off of their disastrous performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, are going on the road against the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are around a one-and-a-half or two-point favorite in that game, which is a pretty doggone good Thursday night football game on Fox. Two three-and-one teams, a divisional matchup in the NFC West. So that certainly will be our lead tomorrow on Friday as we start off the show. 
Uh, we've been following this story quite a bit, and I am intrigued by finally getting some uh, public statements by Shad Khan, who is the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he tells the Associated Press effectively he's not going to trade Jalen Ramsey. So we've had a lot of debate about this. What's the appropriate way to respond? What makes sense? And since the Jacksonville Jaguars have won two straight games with Gardner Minshew as they get ready for a road game against the Carolina Panthers where they try to win a third straight, Shad Khan coming out effectively and saying, uh, I understand that Jalen Ramsey has demanded a trade. I've met with him. I've told him we don't want to trade him. And so this, uh, this situation uh, certainly uh, making some interesting moves here because October 29th, I believe, is the official trade deadline for the NFL. So things could still go awry for the Jacksonville Jaguars and they could lose a couple games and find themselves out of the mix for the playoffs. But I said this from the get-go. If I were Khan, I would be making the exact same moves that he is making right now, which is shooting down any possibility of trading Jalen Ramsey and not allowing Ramsey to uh, ride himself right out of Jacksonville because you look at the overall history of the Jacksonville Jaguar franchise and Jalen Ramsey is arguably, arguably I say, the best Jacksonville Jaguar player there's ever been. You could argue Tony Baselli, you could argue Mark Brunel, you could argue Maurice Jones-Drew, you could argue Fred Taylor. He's definitely in the top five. And in terms of where he ranks relative to the rest of the league, I'm not sure that any of those other four guys I just named for you, with the possible exception of Fred Taylor, were ever the best player at their position while they were playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I really do think that Jalen Ramsey is the best Jag there's ever been. So allowing him to dictate his way out of the city doesn't make any sense, particularly when you are tied up at 2-2 along with every other team in your division in the AFC South. So this story is one to put a kind of a pin in and follow because we started to see some uh, some NFL players kind of starting to behave, I would say, like NBA players where you don't really have to fulfill any of your obligations. You don't have any uh, responsibility other than to what makes you happy. And if you're not happy and you demand to be traded, then everybody else has to bend to your will. And most of the time, it doesn't happen in the NFL. We saw it happen with Antonio Brown. That obviously went off the rails and everything fell apart there. But we started to get some indications that maybe that was going to happen with Jalen Ramsey too. And we'd never really seen this happen where in the middle of a season, a guy just said, hey, I'm not playing with my team anymore. And I give props to Shad Khan for finally coming out and saying, yeah, you know, we love Jalen Ramsey here as a player. I'm not willing to accept his trade demands, and he's going to play here because he's under contract, and that's what I'm paying him to do. Now, could things change? Maybe between now and the trade deadline, but the problem is the Jags' schedule is not that hard. I mean, listen to who the Jags play in the next four weeks before the trade deadline officially gets here. They play the Panthers this weekend. Okay, we'll see what happens in the battle between Gardner Minshew and Kyle Allen. One of those guys is going to win three straight games as a starter, and the mania in either Charlotte or Jacksonville is only going to grow about how good both of those guys have been. Then the Saints go. Uh, then the Saints come to town against the Jags, but you're getting to play against Teddy Bridgewater. That's a very, very winnable game 
for Jacksonville to get Teddy Bridgewater coming to town in Jacksonville. Then you go on the road against the winless Bengals. Okay, I mean, that's a game that theoretically the Jags would expect to win. And then you get the Jets coming to you uh, in, uh, in Jacksonville. And we'll probably have Sam Darnold back by then, but the Jets are also winless. So if you look at that scenario and you are a Jags fan or you are the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, two and two seems very feasible. And four and oh is not out of the question for Jacksonville. Those are the four games that exist before the trade deadline. I just I don't see them unless the wheels come off here and they go 1 and 3 or 0 and 4 which would be really unexpected. I don't know why you would agree and acquiesce on the Jalen Ramsey trade with this schedule coming down the line in the next several games. Uh so that is the latest on the Jalen Ramsey story as it currently exists. Again, Shad Khan saying, I'm not going to agree to trade uh, Jalen Ramsey. He's too good of a player effectively, and I agree with him. I think it's past time for the owner to have stepped out and made uh, made these comments. Now, tonight's game, again, big game for the NFL as we start NFL Week 5. I want to bring in the crew. I believe the Rams are going to go on the road and get a win here, but if they don't, Given the fact that they have paid over $100 million, the biggest guaranteed contract in the history of the NFL, to Jared Goff, who has been turning the ball over like crazy. Given the fact that they paid Todd Gurley $15 million a year, and they're barely even running him, and he seems to have major issues with this arthritic knee, do you have to start to wonder if the Rams lose this game whether the bloom might be off the Sean McVay rose because the team that went to the Super Bowl and had a chance to beat the uh, the Patriots, they don't look like the same caliber of team right now with, uh, with Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and crew. And meanwhile, the Seattle Seahawks, who remade their team on the fly, trade away the, trade away the Legion of Boom, got rid of Michael Bennett, got rid of Richard Sherman. If they could win this game, to get to 4 and 1 that would be a hell of a swing. Now, one thing that's worth contemplating here. The Seahawks and their wins may be a little bit of smoke and mirrors when you actually examine who they have beaten. Remember the Seahawks should have lost in week 1 to the Bengals who haven't looked as good as they did against the Seahawks against anyone else. And they certainly have gotten the benefit of a very easy and early start to the season. That, uh, that maybe doesn't reflect what they actually are uh, as a team right now. So I think this is an intriguing setup. Let me give you the Seahawks schedule right now uh, as, uh, as I pull it up to be 3-1. and one. We know they lost to Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints at home. We know they were fortunate to get past the Bengals. They got to play against the Steelers without Ben Roethlisberger. So those are two teams that have only won one game between them. And as you break down their schedule, are they a little bit of a paper tiger in terms of who they've beaten, even though they're sitting at 3-1, and one, and their other win is over the Cardinals. So they've beaten a winless Cardinals team, a one-win Steeler team, and a winless Bengals team. Is that smoke and mirrors? I think maybe it is, which is why I'm on the Rams. But what do you guys expect to have happen here? Let me bring in the crew 
Danny G, good game, big game, Thursday night football tonight. The, the, the Seahawks are around a one-and-a-half or two-point favorite. What do you anticipate happening tonight? I also wouldn't be surprised if the Rams bounce back because their defense, they can't play the way they did last week, giving up 50-plus points to that Bucks offense. I expect that defense to puff their chest out a little bit and show some pride. Jared Goff also cannot be throwing the ball 70-plus times. You were talking about – Oh, man. You were talking about Gurley in the running game. Where is the running game for the Rams? I know they have Gurley on a quote-unquote pitch count. Yeah. But they got to have some more balance on that offense. I expect for McVay to make some adjustments big time. Do you agree with me that if the Rams were to lose, then this is a – given the way they played against the Bucs – this is a, well, let's take a step back and recontemplate maybe where this franchise is, especially if Jared Goff plays poorly and we continue to not see Todd Gurley play anywhere near as well as he did uh, before they gave him a $15 million a year contract. Yeah, well, remember, you're coming off of a Super Bowl hangover with a loss. I saw a crazy stat last night on SportsCenter. Since Vinatieri, the Patriots yeah. have only had three kickers yeah Goskowski we should mention is out for the remainder of the year and the Patriots as good as they have been have had a huge list of injuries to that team and you wonder at some point could that actually start to impact them because it seems like Steven Goskowski never missed a field goal for the last decade or whatever it's been for the Patriots yeah and on the flip side the stat was the Rams had four kickers just last season yeah because obviously uh, Zerline was coming off of an injury so there, there has been a lot of injuries in Los Angeles that McVeigh has had to switch around and deal with, which is understandable. Like we talked about on yesterday's show, every NFL team has injuries that they have to deal with. But with Gurley, it's so interesting because we've never gotten the true story on him and his knee. Yeah. How is his health? Why have we been lied to about his health? Coming into the season, we were told, nope, he's 100% healthy. Gurley said it. McVeigh said it. Did they lie to us again? Because he does not look 100% healthy. I agree with you 100%. Dub, how are you playing this game tonight, and what do you anticipate seeing? I kind of like the Seahawks at home. You know, Pete Carroll is 17-2 and in his career in primetime games, so this would include that. On Thursday Night Football, that Seattle stadium gets rowdy on night games when the lights come on, and I just honestly haven't been that impressed with the Rams so far. We all know that Todd Gurley hasn't really been himself so far this season and they've had some trouble protecting Jared Goff back there and when you look at the Rams results I mean the only good convincing win they have is against New Orleans in a game where Drew Brees got injured and other than that I mean they won the game against Cleveland they didn't look great they won the game against Carolina they didn't look great and then we saw last week they got absolutely thwarped by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so I'm going to go with the Seahawks at home tonight yeah the Seahawks and Pete Carroll that is a great point love the primetime games. I mean, Pete Carroll has been like that since he was at SC. I mean, whatever he does as a coach to get his team up and ready for big games is typically uh, pretty impressive because that team plays loose. They play uh, They play excited. They play frenetic brand of football when everybody is watching. That is a, a really good argument for the Seahawks tonight uh, as part of uh, the 12th man experience in Seattle. What about you, uh, Eddie Garcia? What do you anticipate seeing? And what would you say if the Rams lose another one as after the bad loss to uh, the Bucks so quickly? 
Well, it would have to depend on how they played, how they lost. If they, you know, give up four touchdown passes, and no disrespect, look, Russell Wilson's great. He could throw four touchdowns, but if they give up a lot of big plays and a lot of points, then I would definitely be concerned. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a competitive game. I think it should be an entertaining game. But, I mean, if you talk about being impressed by one team over another, I mean, Seattle's wins are over the Bengals, Steelers, and Cardinals. So, yeah. I mean, and that's why one, I'm betting the Rams. And their one I bet loss, the Rams already in yeah, this game. And their one loss was against a good team, and it came at home. So, I. I I would not be surprised to see the Rams uh, win this game. I do think that they will bounce back. I think their defense will play much better. Roberto, which side are you coming down on? I'm going to go with the Seahawks. I think the, the 12th man is going to be a factor there, and Rams' offensive line has been a problem this year. I think the offensive line is going to continue to give the Rams problems, especially with the 12th man there being a big factor in, in the game tonight. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Goodyear tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their goodyear test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know think I can eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds, or I know it'll take you over a minute to down that two liter. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how to play during the NBA playoffs. It's super simple. First, download the DraftKings Pick 6 app. Then pick between two and six players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat, like rebounds, points, assists, and more. Play Pick 6 from DraftKings, the new fantasy app that packs more fun into less time. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code 2PROS. New customers play 5 bucks and get 50 in Pick 6 credits. That's code 2PROS only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours.
One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 first pick set to receive $50 in Pick 6 credits, which are non-withdrawable and valid for Pick 6 use only, expire after six months. Restrictions apply. Limited time offer. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Join now by Frank Isola at the Frank Isola on Twitter. You can watch him on Around the Horn on ESPN, sometimes sitting in on PTI as well. You can read him at The Athletic. And uh, you can listen to him on Sirius XM, and you can listen to him every Thursday morning here with us. Appreciate you getting up early with us, my man. What is the uh, the excitement level in New York City over the Yankees back in the postseason in baseball? Oh, it's uh, it's pretty big, but like you know, they still have the Astros hanging out there, so yes. that's going to be a big a big part of it. They have dominated the Minnesota Twins, but this year was a good baseball year in New York because, you know, with the Mets, the Mets are always, the Mets are like the Jets and the Knicks where their fan bases are kind of, uh, they're miserable to begin with. They always have high expectations. The teams tend to disappoint and the season for the Mets was falling apart. They made a run at the end. So for a minute there, both teams are dreaming about making the playoffs, but the Yankees are good, man. I mean, they think about all the players that they lost during the season and they still won over a hundred games. That's pretty impressive. So if the Yankees advance to the ALCS, let's say they get past the Twins, and I know Twin fans are excited, but the city of Minneapolis uh, and the Twin Cities has just had one of the most star-crossed and crushing sports histories recently in terms of being able to win championships. I think the last Twins championship was, what, 92, back with Kirby Puckett and crew when they beat the Braves in seven games, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and the Yankees obviously have not been very good in recent history. But let's say the Yankees beat the Twins and they get in against the Astros and lose. Yankee fan reaction is what? I think they're going to be real disappointed, and I think they'll probably be disappointed more in management that they didn't go out and try to go get another starting pitcher because I think that's going to be the key. If they end up losing to the Astros, it'll be because of starting pitching. Look at last night's game with Tampa and Oakland, you know, the, the start that they got out of Charlie Morton. That, that, you know, to get a guy, even it's weird now, even if you can get a guy that could just give you five solid innings, it means a lot because all these managers love to use their bullpen. 
So I, I look at the Astros, you know, with Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, you know, right down to me, just like it was a couple of years ago when they beat the Yankees. Their starting pitching is just better. That's been the issue with the Yankees the last few years when they've been in the playoffs. What's it been now, 10 years since they last won? And I don't think they've ever gone 10 years without winning a World Series, believe it or not, which is pretty incredible, especially when you, you were just mentioning, you know, Minnesota. They're for, you know, the Vikings have never won a championship. The Timberwolves never have, and the last time that the Twins won was in 92. Uh, for everybody out there who is uh, listening to this right now, by the way, uh, we will be on live right after the uh, Rays and uh, the Astros game. The Twins and the Yankees are on. All those games are on FS1, but lock it in. It's going to be pretty cool. We'll be coming on right after the Rays-Astros with the ALDS starting. So just a little FYI, tomorrow will be on later than normal. So we should have a pretty good audience for that. All right, uh, we've got the Yankees. Everybody's excited about that. Um, Twins coming to town. That should be an interesting uh, series. But what's the excitement level right now with Daniel Jones going for his third straight win for the Giants? Uh, it's it's through the roof, and I guess the odds came out yesterday that right now he's the favorite to be the you know offensive rookie of the year in the NFL, which is pretty interesting considering that the day that the guy got drafted, you know, the, all the Giant fans were kind of uh, panning the pick, and a lot of the uh, pundits were at well. But but let's let's remember this though, he did. I think the biggest issue with him, and to your point that. The fans are going crazy over it. I think the biggest issue with him is going to be taking care of the football. He fumbled twice in his first game. He threw two interceptions the last game. And here's the thing about a lot of these young quarterbacks. You you can run all you want, but running, look at what happened to Josh Allen the other day. That's the only thing that worries me about Daniel Jones. These young guys who want to make plays, which I give them credit, but sometimes giving up on a play is the smartest thing to do. Yeah. Tom Brady's been giving up on plays for 20 years. Yeah, but, you're right. And that, that's why he's still standing. And Daniel Jones, I see him out there running. I'm like, be careful because you're going to run into someone that's going to knock you out. Yeah, it, it is an interesting point. Now, the Daniel Jones trajectory from maybe the most panned draft pick of all time, I mean, I, and I'm not trying to speak hyperbolically, I, I think the immediate reaction to him going number six overall was more anger and more uh, ripping of the Giants than anything I've ever seen. And one of the real arguments people made was, well, they could have waited till I think it was 17 or whatever the heck yes. it was uh, and uh, and gotten uh, Dwayne Haskins, for instance. Well, Dwayne Haskins came in, and at least right now, there seems to be a pretty big gap between Daniel Jones' readiness to play and Dwayne Haskins' readiness to play. So I'm not sure we've ever seen a opinion abandoned more universally and more rapidly than the Daniel Jones didn't deserve to go number six overall in the NFL draft. Clay, I had heard uh, right before the draft, because there's a lot of uh, talk about Dwayne Haskins and the Giants. He's got a connection to this area. He's a lifter who was born in New Jersey, and he's a Giant fan, so that added to it. But I heard that the Giants were not as high on him as they were on other quarterbacks, and obviously that other quarterback turned out to be Daniel Jones. And it's interesting, too, because I think what happens is for the fans, everyone in their mind thinks that they know everything, so they watch college football. So you see Ohio State play all the time. And Dwayne Haskins had an unbelievable year. Did he throw for like 50 touchdowns? He was was phenomenal as a quarterback last year for Ohio State. He had a great year. But to be fair, if you look at the history of Ohio State quarterbacks, I'm not saying that Duke has this great history either, but it's not like Ohio State quarterbacks come into the NFL and they tear it up exactly. So the Giants, I'm sure, knew going into last season they were going to draft a quarterback. They had their scouts going to a lot of games. It's not like like they're just picking this out of 
thin air. Maybe they felt that Daniel Jones would be a better pro quarterback, a more prototype player. First of all, the one thing about Dwayne Haskins, which people don't realize, he's not a great running quarterback. He's not athletic. He's more, no. He's exactly. not an athlete at all. I mean, he ran, I believe, over a 5.040. And that was why yeah. Stephen A. Smith saying, like, I look at Steve, uh, Dwayne Haskins as more of a running quarterback. It was like, you've never watched an actual Ohio State football game. And, and and what is interesting with Daniel Jones, you mentioned him running outside the pocket, but athletically, Daniel Jones was on the same AAU uh, basketball team as Grant Williams, who's a first-round pick for the Boston Celtics, and is an incredible athlete. And certainly people who have started to watch him play now have recognized it, but the expectation was that he potentially had a really good career uh, ahead of him as a shooting guard, I believe it was, in uh, in college basketball. Like, he could have played college basketball from an athletic perspective he just sort of came into his own as a quarterback and they said one reason he ended up at Duke and he gray shirted at Duke there's a great story about David Cutcliffe somebody got his tape to David Cutcliffe and when Cutcliffe saw it he said please don't share this with anybody else like because this guy what he had a broken wrist he wasn't on the the sort of the football circuit to get rated as a four or five star guy he was at a small private high school in Charlotte and uh, when David Cutcliffe saw that tape, they had already given all their scholarships at Duke, but he actually said, please don't share this tape with anybody else. And they said the minute he got on campus, he started killing it as a member of the scout team uh, because he just had such a big, strong, accurate arm, but also had the athleticism to be able to move around in the pocket and get outside. And obviously it's hard to judge a guy when he plays on Duke because he doesn't have the playmakers around him. But I think you're starting to see, man, this is something special, potentially. And, and, and Clay, if you, if you go back to two weeks ago, first of all, watch the way that Tampa played uh, this past weekend against the Rams, like what their defense did. And Shaq Barrett, who's been the best defensive player in the league thus far. A couple weeks ago, they're playing Tampa Bay. And I get it. The game comes down to a field goal. You know, if the guy makes a field goal, the Giants lose the game. It doesn't take away what Daniel Jones had done in that game. And the big moment for him, and really where you make your mark in the NFL, is on those game-winning drives. And he marched the team down the field, eight plays, 75 yards, and on the final play, the fourth and whatever it was, he ran it in. Todd Bowles, a defensive coordinator, has done a pretty good job. They knocked the, the heck out of Cam Newton when they beat them. They did a pretty good job on Jared Goff. They iced the game with uh, sacking him, and then Dominican Sue picked up the ball and ran it in. So Tampa's defense has been pretty good, and that says a lot about a guy. The first time you're going out there – on the road. To me, no matter what happened, if the kick went wide or, or it went right through the uprights, to me it didn't matter. Daniel Jones drove his team down the field on the road against a pretty good defense, eight plays, 75 yards. That's the mark of a good quarterback. We are uh, used to, and I'm curious whether you think this is going to impact things. In Minnesota, you've got the Giants uh, game going on in New York on Sunday, and then you've got the series beginning against the Yankees. So if you are a dad or mom and you're like the cool dad or mom or you got a buddy and you just want to get away, I would think there'll be a lot of people from the Minnesota region going into New York City for both of that doubleheader, right? The Yankees and the uh, and the Giants game. What's interesting about this is there's a lot of drama surrounding the Vikings right now. We're used to a lot of drama surrounding the Giants. But now that Odell Beckham Jr. and Eli Manning is out, like there doesn't seem to be that much drama. But man, the Vikings, I don't know if you saw the audio of Kirk Cousins publicly apologizing to Adam Thielen. Then you've got Stephon Diggs not showing up for practice. Things seem like they're kind of coming apart at the seams for the uh, for the, the Vikings right now. And what I, what I find amazing about 
the NFL. It's almost like the the NFL players are trying to be like the NBA yeah. players and create all this drama. And how quickly, like after one or two games, guys are ready to bail out. You know, the thing happened with Jalen Ramsey and his coach. That's it. I want to be traded. Of course, all the nonsense with Antonio Brown. It, it, it always used to be kind of, you know, football had this mentality of like, we're all in this together. The first try, the first sign of adversity, guys are ready to jump ship. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, if, if you're Minnesota and that, first of all, the NFC, it's, there's so many good teams. The NFC is like the, uh, the Western conference in the NBA. You got the chiefs and the Patriots on one side, and then all those other good teams in the NFC and their division is good as well. And it's amazing. It's like a little sign of adversity and the team is falling apart at the seams. What it's just today's players to me are just a lot different than they used to be in the past. There's no doubt at all uh, that that is true. We're talking to Frank Isola at the Frank Isola on Twitter. Watch him on around the horn. You can listen to him on Sirius XM and here obviously every Thursday morning. And you can also read him at the athletic. Now, uh, you mentioned Jalen Ramsey there and the, and the fact that he had demanded a trade. Shad Khan, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, came out last night, talked to the AP, said, I'm not trading him. Uh, we saw what happened when Antonio Brown demanded a trade. His world kind of blew up and everything fell apart for him. Is this a good move, in your opinion, by the owner of the Jags? They're sitting at 2-2, two and two, very winnable next four games, very winnable division right now where everybody's 2-2. Two and two. To basically say, hey, I hear you, but we ain't listening. You're under contract. You're playing here. I, I like it, and I also think he's telling the player, you know, get out there and play. We're paying you. Yep. We think we can. We think we can be a playoff team. There's a lot of. You know, what's funny for Jalen Ramsey, what must drive him a little bit crazy, is that he makes his trade demand, and yes, it became a big story. But a, they went on the road and won. I thought it was great him standing there watching his teammates win. But Gardner Minshew's become the big story now. Yeah. Jacksonville. So it's almost like the story of the quarterback has taken over the story of J- Jalen Ramsey probably figured, well, the whole world now will, will revolve around me because I'm asking to be traded. I think it's the right thing to do. They believe they could be a playoff team. And come on, Clay, you know this. Tom Coughlin is uh, – I'm is stunned that he's been character. as quiet as he has here over this total yeah. drama playing out. Yeah, I just don't think that – I think that organizations are at a point where you just can't have a culture where a guy walks in – says he wants to be traded, and within a week you accommodate him. Right. Now, if you if you got a lot for him, if you got blown away, if you get your asking price, that's different. But we can't have guys because they've had a bad moment in a game. It's a, you know, a, a heated exchange with the head coach, and now you want to be traded. No, no, you're a good player. We think you can help us win. We're keeping you. That that's that's the end of the story. You just can't have this culture of I'm upset. Hey, I want to be traded. Yeah, no problem. Where would you like to go? We'll see if we can accommodate. You can't do that. All right, there's been a lot of talk. Last question for you, and this is a big question. A lot of talk about pay-for-play. Uh, California making an introductory law uh, that they signed with Gavin Newsom. We've got Florida getting involved, Pennsylvania, all these different states, politicians getting involved. You, I believe, had uh, college uh, college scholarship daughters. Am I correct about this for, for soccer? Yeah, or, my, yeah, my daughter plays uh, yeah, college soccer. So you've at least been through kind of that uh, that that uh, you know parental yes. recruitment process and everything else. What would you do if you if they gave Frank Isola control over college athletics? What would you do about this pay for play debate? Well, my one thing is I think there is value in a scholarship. Number one, like yeah. if you're a, if you're a football player, and like I think you and I talked about this before. And let's say you don't think you're in. You're probably good enough to bank the NFL. What if you can go to Stanford or Vanderbilt, Northwestern, Duke, 
an Ivy League school, that's pretty good. Now, Ivy League school is a little bit different. It's a, yeah, um, you're basically getting a quarter of a million-dollar education at all four of those schools you just mentioned. I'm getting a little tired of people telling me how, like, the, the people playing paying for free. You're not paying. You're not playing for free. You are getting something in return, and then you have to give them something back, a service, which would be playing a sport. I had the, my biggest issue would be, like, for example, I look at a guy like, uh, look at two guys from Oklahoma, Trey Young. His a uh, couple of years ago, he was the biggest name in college basketball, and then say Kyler Murray. Those guys are becoming big stars. Why can't they, on a weekend, if they want to go to like a mall somewhere in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, sit there and sign autographs and get paid for it? Yeah. You know, like, they're used, like what is the big deal? They're not doing anything to hurt the program. They've become big names. Now, granted, they've become big names by playing for your school, which is on TV all the time. Just like, think about how good Duke was for Zion Williamson. Yes. Zion Williamson was good for Duke. How did it, Zion Williamson was a big name going into college basketball. He, how big did he become? That's one of the biggest names in college basketball the last 50 years. Yes. And look how, look how he was able to market himself by going to Duke. So I don't exactly know how this whole thing would work. I do love how LeBron loves to throw his, you know, wants to be the spokesman on this thing, even though he didn't go to college. But <laughs> right. I, I do think players, if, if they want to make money off their name and likeness, I, 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 I don't have a problem with that part of it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you should be able to sign autographs. I think it's crazy that Todd Gurley got suspended, for instance, back at Georgia because he signed his jersey. And Ridiculous. it's his jersey, Ridiculous. like in his cleats. Like he owns those. Like he could sign them and give them away if he wants. Uh, and I have no issue. I'm with you. If you want to show up at a mall in Oklahoma City because Kyler Murray won a Heisman Trophy and do a signing if you had another year to come back, I don't understand how you can't do that. Uh, I do think that, that we underrate sometimes the value of a college uh, stay and Zion's a great example. We can talk about that when we come back uh, for the final segment of the show. But, Frank Isola, I appreciate the time, my man. Uh, knock it out. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Yankees back. And uh, and enjoy the Danny Dimes uh, drama as we roll into the weekend with uh, with the Giants. The yeah, New York sports are back. Thanks, Clay. <laughs> appreciate it. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis. The pay-for-play debate continues to intensify this week. The amount of attention, magnification, all around to just focus on this debate has grown up in a massive way. And I think, not surprisingly, much of it has been relatively unintelligent in terms of its discussion because you have people lining up on one side saying, pay the players, and you have people lining up on the other side saying, don't pay the players. And they just kind of yell at each other And what's missed is all the complexity, nuance, and details that would be involved in the event players start to be paid. So I want to have a more intelligent discussion about pay-for-play here in Hour 2 as this story continues to blow up. Now, in Hour 3, we got John Morosi live down in Houston as he gets ready for the Astros uh, to begin their uh, World Series defense. We'll have him. And also in Hour 3, we'll talk with Dr. David Chow about the latest in the injury situation in the NFL. But in this segment of the show, I'm going to open up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. And what I'm requesting and what I'm asking for, all 50 states, you guys listening out there as you start off your morning, I want to have the most intelligent discussion about pay-for-play that exists anywhere in the world of sports media. I want to make you guys smarter. I also want to make myself smarter. Let's talk. So here's what I would say. I love using Zion Williamson as an example, and I'm going to get to him in a minute. But first, I'm going to tell you exactly what I would do. I believe there is extreme value in a college education while you're also continuing to pursue uh, your potential professional career as an athlete. 
I think that's important and valuable because there are a lot of guys out there, and I say guys because that's where the real economic value is. Most of the time, the guys who are making money in athletics are men, and most of the men that are making big money in athletics are playing three sports in college really at a high level. They're playing basketball, they're playing football, they're playing baseball, a little bit of hockey, but not for most of the country. That is where most of the people are making most of the money in athletics in this country. Now, there are also some college golfers, and there are also certainly some college tennis players. There are a lot of different people who go to college, play a sport, and end up making substantial money down the road. But most of them are coming out of team sports, by and large, as a totality. And if you remember at all, a lot of you out there listening, huge percentage of our audience is male. But even if you aren't a man, you certainly will remember what teenage boys were like. Teenage boys are the stupidest people who have ever existed in the history of our planet. There is nothing dumber that has ever existed in this country than a 14, 15, 16, and 17-year-old boy, right? And I'm not saying we get a lot smarter when we get to be 18, 19, and 20, but there has never been a dumber human than a 14, 15, 16, and 17-year-old boy, right? It's 100% true. I've been one. A lot of you out there listening have been one. You think stupid things. You have a belief that you are effectively immortal. You take insanely dumb risks. You are just, in general, all of those things are true, yet you think you are the most awesome, you are the coolest, you are the most plugged-in dude that has ever existed. And by the way, there's a lot of 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old boys who are driving into school right now listening to me, and they're shaking their heads saying, you have no idea what you're talking about. I'm the baddest-ass person that's ever existed on this planet. You are an imbecile. You aren't smart enough to know how dumb you are, but you are an imbecile. You have way more confidence than your talents reflect. You are going to take risks that are far in excess of what you should be doing. As I have said for a long time, and this terrifies me as the father of three boys, there has never been a woman whose final word, two words of her life, were watch this. There are tons of men, boys as well, out there whose final two words before they died were watch this. You're going to try to do something, right? Watch what I'm going to do with this firework. Watch what I'm going to do on this jet ski. Watch this. Guys trying to show off and do stupid stuff oftentimes to impress girls or to impress other guys their own age. There's a reason why jackass only starred men. It's because we are very oftentimes idiots. I bring that up for this reason. That thought process translates into athletics in a big way because every man on some level who is listening to this show thought he was going to be a professional athlete at some point in time. And then... Most of you, there's a few professional athletes who are listening to this right now, but most of you got slapped in the face with the cold, hard dash of reality. Maybe you got dunked on in a high school basketball game and realized, you know what? That guy's a lot better than me. Maybe you got trucked in a high school football game by a guy who was going to college and you were like, you know what? I'm probably not going to be able to tackle a lot of dudes like this. Maybe you got beat playing soccer you reached, somebody went right past you, scored an easy goal, and you thought to yourself, yeah, probably not going to be on the World Cup team. Everybody comes face-to-face with their athletic mortality at some point. Some people get to play until they're 42, like Tom Brady. Most people hang up the jersey 16, 17, 18 years old. You realize suddenly that you're not going to be a pro athlete. Some of you 
get drafted into the major leagues like Joel Klatt. We talked about this. You think you're going to be a major league baseball player, boom, you get uh, realize you can't hit the curve and you're not necessarily as good as you anticipated that you were going to be and you end up moving in a different direction. It's hard to become a professional athlete. The people who most likely believe that they are going to be professional athletes are the kids who are signing major college scholarship offers. Every single kid who entered into a Big Five college as a freshman this year really believes that he's going to play in the NFL. Every single college basketball player who is going to a major conference school to play basketball on some level believes he's going to play in the NBA. Same thing Major League Baseball. All of these guys are of the belief that their talents are significant enough that they are going to be professional athletes. What many of them are going to realize during their freshman year is that they can be good college players, but that the difference between being a good college player and being a professional athlete is massive, and it's hard to take that next step, okay? So, with that in mind, I believe we are vastly underselling the value of using our colleges as a laboratory to allow a kid to simultaneously pursue his athletic endeavors while also taking care of his academic work. We are allowing kids to pursue athletics with the huge safety net of academics beneath them. I think that's a good thing. Who does that the best? College baseball. If I right now were the grand czar of sports in American life, what I would say is this. Every sport is going to have the exact same early entry rules as Major League Baseball does. If you're not familiar with the way Major League Baseball is set up, I think they have the perfect system. When you are a high school senior, you can be drafted and put your name in to be drafted by a team. If you are drafted, you can then negotiate at 18 years old and decide whether or not you are going to make enough money to go immediately be a professional in the minor leagues or you can decide to go to college. If you sign a college scholarship, then you are committing to three years of college before you then can re-enter the draft and decide whether or not to leave and go then join the minor leagues. So you get three full years on a college campus or you decide I'm ready to go the pro route and I'm never going to enter the college campus at all. That to me is the system that should exist for everyone. We give them an option. If you're at 18 and you need to start making money immediately, then boom, you go off to uh, to uh, the pros. If you are 18 and you realize, you know what? I want to continue to get better at my craft and I want to advance my brand in conjunction with college athletics, then you do that. And by the way, if there is somebody out there who is so good that they want to get a waiver to leave early as opposed to waiting for three years because they're so dominant and they're so ready to go, we can give a waiver and let you go pro earlier if we're guaranteed that you're going to be a first-round pick. I think that's a perfect system. That is the Clay Travis system for how to integrate college perfectly with professional athletics. What I see very often is guys not realizing what the value is of going to college over and above the scholarship. And this is where Zion comes in and I think becomes a perfect laboratory example of the impact of college athletics. If Zion Williamson at 18 had elected to go pro 
and he goes and plays for a G League team, do you know how many people would know Zion Williamson who are listening to my radio show right now? A pinprick. Do you know why? Because nobody cares about the G League. Nobody follows those teams. Nobody watches them on television. Nobody cares. Your brand is, I am a professional, but you make like $55,000 a year as a professional, but all you have to do is play basketball. You are a pro waiting one day to be in the NBA, hopefully. That's the dream of everybody in the G League. Everybody in America knows Duke basketball. When Zion Williamson went to play for Duke, initially his brand immediately exploded because he had Duke on the front of his chest. And when you have Duke on the front of your chest, everybody pays more attention to you than they would if you didn't have Duke on the front of your chest. So Zion, by putting on that Duke jersey, was able to use the brand of Duke basketball to elevate his own brand. And what happens? Initially, people look at the name on the front of your jersey. Oh, he's with Duke. And then they start to realize, wait a minute, who's this guy? I need to know who he is. And they start paying attention to the name on the back of your jersey. The jersey becomes a perfect metaphor for the growth of your brand. By aligning yourself with a big brand, Duke, and by the way, it doesn't just have to be Duke. It can be Kentucky. It can be Indiana back in the day. It can be North Carolina. Hell, it could be Tennessee right now. Whoever is good in college basketball, Michigan back in the day. If you put that jersey on, you are aligning yourself with a massive brand of people who initially, regionally, are going to love you just because you're putting on their jersey. And then if you're good, the nation starts to pay attention and they say, hey, I got to watch this new guy, this Duke guy, Zion Williamson. And it moves from the brand on the front of your jersey to growing the brand on the back of your jersey. If Zion had gone pro and gone straight into the G League, as was his right, he would have made a fraction of the money in his guaranteed shoe deal that he did by going to Duke. So people out there who are arguing, oh, all Zion got was a scholarship for one year and Duke made a lot more money off of him than he made off of them, they're idiots. I'm a capitalist. I want everybody to make as much money as possible. The best decision that Zion Williamson could have made from a capitalistic perspective was turning down $55,000 to go pro in the G League and immediately instead maybe making $100 million or more, more for himself by just playing at Duke and turning himself into a major national brand such that Nike signed him to the biggest shoe contract in the history of sports. Zion could have gone to the G League or go to Israel or go to Australia or go to China and been a pro for a year, and he probably would have cost himself $100 million. Now, if he goes to the uh, NBA and he's not good, he's still locked in all of that money, almost guaranteed because he went to Duke. If he goes to the NBA and he's good, well, eventually he's going to make big money anyway. And it wouldn't have mattered how his career started. But investing in yourself by going to a big brand in college, irrespective of whether you're investing in your mind, which I hope he did while he was on the Duke campus, is invaluable. 
And I think many people are missing this as an integral part of the value that is unlocked by going to college. And that's the argument that I believe Tim Tebow tried to make that a lot of people missed. By aligning yourself with a big brand like Tim Tebow did at Florida, initially Florida Gator fans were rooting for Tim Tebow because he had the word Florida on the front of his jersey. As soon as he turned into a star, they started rooting for the name on the back of the jersey too. And those fans are fans for you for life. And so I think we're undervaluing the overall value if you don't contemplate what happened. And again, the analogy that I used at the end of hour one is a good one. You know, more people watched Zion play for Duke in his freshman year than watched DeAndre Ayton play for the Phoenix Suns in his rookie year in the NBA. Zion became a bigger brand playing for Duke than DeAndre Ayton did playing for the Phoenix Suns. And this is even more true, by the way, if you factor in that when you enter the NBA, if you're a top draft pick, you're probably going to be on a crappy team and it's going to take you a couple of years to build up your brand. Now, I'm not saying it can't happen. Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, Tracy McGrady, just to name a few, all went straight to the league from high school and eventually developed their brands and became superstars, global icons, because they were successful in the NBA. But Zion is entering the NBA, already a global icon, and he hasn't even made anything happen in his NBA career yet. So when people say, oh, all Zion got was a scholarship, It's a very short-sighted way of thinking about what Zion actually unlocked. If his shoe doesn't explode on national television with everybody watching, nobody uh, sees it if it happens in the G League. There's probably some dude who's really good in the G League that shoe exploded and 3,000 people watched it on YouTube. Zion Williamson became a global icon because he went to college at Duke. He is a perfect example of why it might make sense to go to college even if you could go directly to the NBA. I want to open up the phone lines. And one of the problems here is people are thinking in terms of $10,000 instead of thinking in terms of $10 million. One of the challenges that many people have is we talk a lot about dreams in this country. We talk a lot about uh, aspirations. Oftentimes, people dream too small. You hear people criticize for dreaming too big. What I see a lot of times is people dreaming too small. They don't want to take a risk. They're like, oh, I want this middle management job that'll pay me $48,000 a year. That's what I aspire. I hope to one day be able to afford a Toyota Corolla. All right, that's fine. If you're happy, pursue and chase whatever you are to be happy. But to me, in order to really think big, You have to expand your educational understanding, and that's what college can do. And so what I see a lot of people focused on right now with this pay-to-play thing is they're like, oh, well, they should give the college athletes money. Well, it ain't going to be life-changing money. I'm not saying that getting $40,000 is a bad thing, but there are a lot of people out there nodding their head. They're like, I make $40,000 now. Do you know what I have left at the end of the year? Negative $10,000. $40,000 in college is not going to change anybody's life. You know what's going to change somebody's life? 
$4 million, $40 million, $400 million. Don't focus on the pennies and miss the dollars. And I think a lot of people in this country focus on the pennies and they don't think about the dollars. They're not investing in their future. Zion invested in his future by going to Duke. You can legitimately argue that Zion made in one year playing basketball for Duke 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars in brand value for him. Just think about what his shoe contract would have been if he had played in the G League for a year compared to what it is having gone to Duke. Duke helped to unlock the value for Zion. And by the way, it doesn't just have to be Duke. Again, it could be a lot of different college programs as long as he was getting a lot of attention for playing for them. And wedding your brand to another big brand is oftentimes the way to put yourself into the stratosphere. Why do, I mean, it doesn't, it's not just sports, by the way. Why do so many uh, musicians work together to make music? One, maybe it's because the music is good. Two, it's because they're combining two big brands together to try to create a much bigger overall brand. And that's what Zion did with Duke. Now, I want to open up phone lines because I think a lot of people are missing this. I think a lot of people are reaching for dimes when they should be trying to think about $100 bills. And it's great if you make a little bit more money in college, but you don't want to blow up the system in college that's creating guys worth hundreds of millions of dollars so you can create guys who make $10,000 more. Something to think about. Open phone lines, 877-996-6369. But I think the Zion Williamson example is a great one that the NCAA could do a good way, good job of telling. The tangible dollars that Zion got to play at Duke, he really technically only got a scholarship. The reality is he made tens of millions of dollars for himself by playing college basketball for a year that he wouldn't have gotten if he had gone straight to go play in the G League as would have been his right. He could have made $50,000 playing in the G League. Instead, he made tens of millions of dollars more that he had to wait a year to unlock by playing at Duke. That's the very definition of investing in yourself. That's frankly why you go to college. Most people go to college and spend money to go to college, not because it's a great deal while they're in college to be spending money. It sucks to start off in debt. Trust me, I started off in debt coming out of law school. Substantial debt, more than most people's debt when they come out of college. But the investment in my own education that I got for law school has paid off for itself in spades the rest of my life. You go to college not for the immediate financial return that you're going to get paying out tens of thousands of dollars for that education, but for the investment in your own mind, in your own self, and that's exactly what Zion did. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis.
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of general tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their general tires test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Right now, we got John Morosi on. Uh, he is down in Houston 
getting ready for uh, the start of that series for the Astros. First of all, John Morosi, appreciate you joining us. Second, now that there's eight different teams officially advanced to the NLDS and the ALDS, did anything surprise you based on what we saw in the wild card games? Well, good morning, Clay. Happy uh, MLE playoffs to you, my friend. Uh, I thought two great, uh, interesting uh, wildcard games. Of course, the first one was more dramatic than, than the second uh, with the Nationals' incredible comeback in the eighth inning there uh, to win that game against the Brewers. But uh, I actually, uh, remarkably, Clay, this is, and this never happens to me, I actually picked both of those games as they unfolded. Uh, so in my, my original uh, bracket for the, for the playoffs had the Nationals winning and had the Rays winning. So I, I'm feeling really good right now. Uh, but I think, Clay, I'll say this. If you are a fan of chaos, if you're a fan of, of uh, potential upsets in round one, then you should be happy because I, I believe that in each case, the team that won the wild card game is the team that has the better chance to topple the number one overall seed uh, in these playoffs, uh, in respectively, of course, uh, the Dodgers in the National League and the Astros in the AL. Uh, two difficult matchups now, I think, for, for the top seeds to have to handle. I think that's especially true for Houston, frankly. I, I, I still have Houston winning the World Series, and, I'm, and I, I really admire what they've put together. They've got a great rotation uh, that will take them now into the playoffs, and, and their, their, their everyday club is, is phenomenal. They, 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 they struck out the fewest times as a team in, in, the, in the major leagues this year, and, they, they, and their pitchers struck out the most batters in the major leagues this year. So they've, they've done everything you want to see them do. But uh, the Rays are able to throw a lot of different matchups at you. We saw that last night a little bit. They've got Tyler Glass now lined up to start uh, in, in game one tomorrow for Tampa Bay. He has a dynamic arm. He reaches 100 miles an hour. Um, and, and Kevin Cash is a really, really good manager who, who I think will, will know how to put his team in good situations to, to succeed. They, they have a lot of platoons, uh, so they have a lot of advantages there that they utilize during the course of the game. It's it's a really unique matchup, Clay. I think that, if again, if, if you want to have the most competitive first-round series possible, the right teams won those wild-card games because I think both the Nationals uh, and I think certainly the Rays have, have a very good chance to win in the first round. All right, let's stick in the AL to start with because that's where you are down in Houston getting ready for the Astros series. How prohibitive of a favorite in your mind are the Astros over the other seven teams? They are favorites most definitely, and I think they're, they're really a better overall club than the Dodgers are. But it's not by a massive margin, at least in my mind. I, I think baseball is so... It's so hard to predict at this time of year, and it's not quite as random maybe as the NHL playoffs are, but I think it, you you are much more likely to see upsets here than you are in in, uh, in the NBA and in the NFL, I, I believe, at least at this stage of the playoffs. Uh, I, I I've mentioned the stat before, and it's an important one, so I'll I'll say it here. Uh, the the since moving to this format with the two wild card teams back in 2012, the team that wins the wild card game overall has a 28 and 30 record so almost exactly 5 wild yeah against against the one seed so so i think no no matter how no matter how much we think in our minds that a team is the favorite it, it it's never that big because of the number i just mentioned to you so uh and, and this to me clay is going to be one of the interesting dynamics here i think especially with houston even more so than, than the dodgers if they if houston wins the world series with this rotation 
Verlander, Cole, Granke with one, two, and three. Two, three of the top ten uh, pitchers in, in terms of ERA in the majors right now and in, in the American League. I think everybody believes two of, the, two of the top two in terms of the Cy Young voting this year with Verlander and Cole. If they win, it's going to promote a lot of conversation about, hey, maybe we're, we're missing the boat here when we talk about um, openers and a lot of different other strategies. It's such a copycat in industry, Clay, and I think if you see the Astros winning with very much an, an old-school traditional rotation where those three guys that I mentioned are throwing seven innings a lot of the time, uh, you may have a lot of GMs going back to the drawing board a bit this wintertime and, and thinking to themselves, okay, how do we change things here? Do we have to make a different strategy? So I think there's a lot at stake here. I think the Astros' dynasty is at stake. Uh, if, if they want to have that title as one of the best teams ever, I think it's important for them, for them to add another title to what they've already done. Uh, but but the, the, the things are set up very nicely for them. They've got a really good back end of the bullpen, too, with Ryan Presley, Will Harris, and Roberto Ozuna. So it's this. <laughs> They're they're the best team in the game. They're the best team in baseball, and I I believe that strongly. They're a better team than the Dodgers. I've got them beating the Dodgers in the World Series if they meet there. That's that's my pick right now. Uh, but but I I do believe that just based on the schedule, they they are a little vulnerable in round one. In some respects, Clay, they're more vulnerable in a five game series now against a hot Tampa team than they are against anybody that they'd meet. I believe in the second round. Uh, if the Tampa Bay Rays advance to the World Series. Uh, would Major League Baseball executives jump off the Empire State Building? <laughs> no, no, because here's here's how I look at it, Clay. It, certainly, we realize that uh, I would say that uh, postseason television ratings do do link somewhat with uh, with the size of the markets of the teams involved in a, in a way that's very different from the NFL. I'm I'm always amused by the fact that. Uh, we never have this conversation, and again, history says that we that that there's no reason to, frankly, in the NFL because no one says, "Oh my gosh, I hope the Packers don't make it because they play in a small market." Uh, no one ever, no one ever says and, and, that. And I do think that's a that's a good point because, but one of the reasons why that's the case is even the most like mediocre small market NFL team, because of the popularity of fantasy and gambling, and also the relative paucity of overall games. Everybody who's listening to me right now can name almost a couple of guys on every NFL team. So even if, like, like, like you said, I mean, the Packers are obviously in a small market. But the Packers are even kind of a bad example. But like, who's the most uh, like anonymous NFL team right now? Like the Jacksonville Jaguars are really a lot of times at near the top of that list. They play in a small market. Everybody knows Gardner Minshew and Jalen Ramsey. So even if the Jags advance to the Super Bowl, yes, that's different than if you know, for instance, like the ideal Super Bowl if you had executives picking right now would be Cowboys against Patriots, and that would be probably the maximum audience that could watch everybody's going to pay attention but Jags against uh, I don't know the Arizona Cardinals right would be a theoretically really bad matchup but everybody knows the coaches everybody knows enough of the players I don't think most people know anything about the Rays I think you're probably right you're probably right and and uh, I suppose uh, speaking as a television broadcaster that's it's, it's our job to, to as best we can tell that story in a compelling way and and that's and that's I think part of the part of what's fun about the job, as far as I'm concerned. But I, I, to me, I, I think it kind of gets to the larger question, Clay, of of, of national versus local popularity. And yeah, I, I think that you you really hit on one of the biggest things that's that that's there. 
um, for the NFL is that, is that, that, that one game a week. And I realize that the, the popularity of the sport itself and how much it's part of the culture, I, I, I realize football is, is still the predominant game from a social st- standpoint in our, in our country. But I, I think that one of its biggest advantages is that is that one game a week. If, if you we've we've sort of touched on this before, but for for you to know something about the Rays, if you're a fan of the Rockies, yep. and you're a diehard Rocky fan, you're already watching your team 21 hours out of the week. Yep. Are you going to invest additional hours in, in educating yourself on the Rays? Probably not. Yeah. And and that's just that's the nature of when you got 162 games versus 16. It's it's a, it's a fundamentally different paradigm in terms of the amount of time you spend with your local team uh it's it's just a different it's a different prism through which you view the league and baseball i i will say it all the time it's it is a it's an incredibly strong local and regional sport it is the the, the ratings prove that to be the case and i think nationally the the challenge for broadcasters like me uh, during the course of the month of october when you're involved in covering a series is helping to introduce some of the storylines uh, for for new teams, quote unquote, that you maybe don't have to do uh, if you, if you're doing a first round game involving the, you name it again, the Vikings and, and Arizona Cardinals in, in the NFL. Those are there's still a very good fluency of those two teams by your national audience. Yeah, it's really well said, and, and I'm I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people want to talk about the NBA being ascendant. Major League Baseball dunks all over the NBA in every market just about where Major League Baseball competes against the NBA. Where the NBA is better than Major League Baseball is the NBA has national figures that people care about in a way that doesn't necessarily translate the same way in baseball. And I hope people are understanding what I'm saying there. Like, And your example was a good one, like the Colorado Rockies. Let's just randomly select the Colorado Rockies. If you're in the Colorado region, you know, if you're in that Rockies baseball region, you probably follow your team decently, more so in Colorado than you follow the Nuggets, right? But the average right. sports fan in Colorado, and I'm just picking this as a random geographical area, would know more and care more about LeBron James in Colorado than they would Mike Trout. And that's because uh, of the, you know, the local team is infinitely stronger as a brand. You would rather own the Rockies in Denver than you would the Nuggets, I think. But yes. nationally, there's more of a knowledge and opinion of the NBA stars than there is Major League Baseball stars. Did I do a good job of explaining that? You did. Yes, the, the, that, that's absolutely correct. And and again, there there are there are numerous social marketing scheduling factors that are wrapped up in in, in what you said, and what you said is correct. And and again, part of it too is, and you look at a bigger picture. On, on some level, if you went back, probably uh, certainly to the middle part of the last century, but even more recently than that, you would have really compelling sort of uh, debates uh, at a bar or, or in around a living room uh, conversation, watching a game or a kitchen table about who the best player is, who should be the MVP. Is it Trout versus Bregman, who, whoever it is? And, and certainly this goes back to Willie Mickey and the Duke in New York back in the 50s. That's, baseball used to be that, that national conversation point, and, and it's changed. And it's changed for a variety of reasons. Uh, I, I think that MLB does their best. I think the players themselves do their best. I don't think it's anybody's "quote unquote" fault. Yeah, I think that that's one of my biggest things is that I don't. MLB could hire a hundred new marketing executives, and in a year, 
Mike Trout is still not going to be as popular as LeBron James or as well known as, as LeBron James in our country. It's just it's just not structurally the the the, star, the those games those two sports basketball football lend themselves so much more to star related marketing than baseball. When by the way. Mike Trout plays of his seven games a week. He's playing a bunch of them at ten o'clock at night Eastern time, and even when he does, he's batting four times a game. And so you never know exactly when he's going to be bat- be hitting. Oh, and even the nature e- of the sport. Even more so. Also, if you are one of the best players in the NFL or the NBA, you control more of your overall team success than one of the best players does for a major league baseball right. team. So you know that typically the best players in the NBA are going to be in the postseason, uh, and you know a lot of times the best players in the NFL will be in the postseason. There's a lot of times where the best players in baseball may not be in the postseason because the individual impact of an average, uh, even a star, the best player in baseball, is nowhere near as substantial as the best player in the NFL or the best player in the NBA would be on their teams. I think it's a fascinating conversation. All right, let's go over to the NL. I haven't even hardly asked you about this. (laughs) No worries. And, And we're almost all of the oxygen, I would say, is being soaked up right now by the Dodgers. So let's start there. Clayton Kershaw... Uh, they say now Walker Bueller, I think, is starting game one, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I think I saw that will, headline yep. uh, this morning. Uh, so Clayton Kershaw is not starting game one. But for the Dodgers who have lost back-to-back a World Series, how massive is it for Clayton Kershaw's legacy for him to win a World Series with the Dodgers? How much does it matter? And how much pressure, if at all, do you think is on the Dodgers not to be the Buffalo Bills of the uh, of Major League Baseball, getting to the World Series, making all these runs, and just not being able to kick the door down and actually win a title since all the way back in 88? Well, that's a very good point, Clay. I think, to me, Kershaw is a Hall of Famer no matter what. He could retire today and he's in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. He's been that good for that long. So that that part of his legacy is secure. But, to your point, when you look at the first two paragraphs or three paragraphs of the story that's written when he gets elected to the Hall of Fame, uh, what happens in the next couple weeks, in the next several weeks, I think will be a big factor in that. It's, it's going to be mentioned very high in that story because he, he does have that one missing part of his resume. He, he is someone who has been on, and, and, and remarkably, he's been in the playoffs now every single year since 2013. Yeah. So, and even before then, he had a little bit of a run in '08 and '09, uh, very early in his career. So he he's had so many chances. The odds of the odds of a pitcher who is as good as Kershaw on a team that's as good as the Dodgers making the playoffs this many times and not winning the World Series are very very narrow. And so uh, I I do think for his legacy, he he needs to. Uh, needs is a strong word. He he wants desperately to win a World Series, and, and he he has had, by the way, some very very good performances in the playoffs. This is not someone who deserves the the mantle of of, of people saying, "Oh, he's, he he always pitches poorly in October." This is not true. Now he's had some some ill-timed clunkers in October, notably Game Five of the World Series two years ago in Houston. That 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 was where the Dodgers, I believe, lost the World Series, not in Game Seven. Uh, so he he has had um, he has had some great playoff starts. He's had some not so great playoff starts. But to your point, to be considered an all time great, he is. I think he's already there based on performance. But to be a legend, 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 I, I do think that next higher level, the, the Mount Rushmore of pitching in the last fifty years, 
he needs to win a World Series. We're talking to John Morosi. All right, last question for you. My nine-year-old, third grader, has turned into a huge Atlanta Braves fan. Uh, he does not know really any of the history of futility of the Atlanta Braves in October. Now, I know they won the title back in 95, but there have been a lot, if you are a Braves fan, of October disappointments uh, for this franchise. Two-part question. One, should I sit him down and tell him about the Braves in October? Because he just doesn't know. He's nine, right? Like he, This new young Braves team – he doesn't have any preconceived notions about October. He's a bright and shiny kid, believing that everything is a bright and shiny universe. Should I tell him what happens typically to the Braves in October? First part of that question. Second, what do you think of this year's Braves and this iteration of the Atlanta Braves uh, franchise? What do you think about their chances in this postseason? It's a great parenting question, Clay. Yes. That's, that's we all we all we're all confronted with that question: of How much of the universe do we yes. and when do we start to he reveal to no our kids idea. as they get older? No idea what has <laughs> happened to the Braves for the last twenty-five years uh, or whatever it is in the postseason. So he so it's to him, you know, all these Acuna and Ozzy Albies and everybody else, all these young guys, like the Braves, like it's, it, the whole universe is bright and shiny, and there's yeah. never been a bad thing that's happened to the Braves in October. So I, I think it's appropriate to mention it a little bit, especially because it'll it'll come up on the broadcast. Yeah. I, I think as simply as without belaboring the point to make it sound like it's some curse or some some bad decision yes. to, to, to be rooting for the Braves. To say, listen, they 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 made the playoffs, fourteen straight, they had fourteen straight division titles, but they won one world one World Series during that time. So yes. there there was a history of 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 amazing seasons and and. In many cases, painful Octobers, but you could just say it, it. Most of it happened before you were born, or all of it happened before you were born. Yeah. So, so you're you're you, you don't it doesn't have to worry impact about that, you in any way. And right, I, honestly, a lot of it happened before the, the current Braves had any idea about yeah, it. Right? They're right, all so young. Yeah, exactly. Because I think the last uh, the last of those titles was in '04. So yeah, yeah I mean it, it's amazing. It, it happened before a lot of their cognizance. You're yes. right. I mean it's 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 incredible to think about that. But uh, I, yeah, I, I think to me it's it's a part of the story. It'll I'm sure it'll be mentioned by our colleagues at TBS when they're when they're broadcasting it. But uh, by the way, I, I love the fact that this will be really cool. Please report back to me on on what he's hearing at his school from the standpoint of how many fans in his school are Braves fans versus Cardinals because I know Nashville is yeah, really kind of the cross point. The, Fascinating. That, that's like there's not for a, if you're a fan, really in in in, in Tennessee and, and probably uh, uh, I would imagine over towards Arkansas too, because there's, there's some different different border areas there with respect to Braves fans and Cardinals fans. There's not a better matchup you could ever imagine than what you're going to see right now. It's going to be really really cool to, to hear about that from a standpoint of of, uh, of the rooting interest in town. But I, I think that they are well set up. I'm worried though, Clay, about the fact that Acuna and Freeman both had injuries late in the season. If they're at full strength, I think the Braves have a, have a really good chance to beat the Dodgers. Frankly, if, if they if they match up in an NLCS, but I'm a little bit worried right now, just based on the fact that you're gonna you're gonna have to face a really good pitching staff in St. Louis with Flaherty and Hudson, who've been so good, and and I think Acuna and Freeman are not really 100, percent and and that makes me worried that uh, from their perspective, that I think the Cardinals have a very good chance to win that series. But it should be a great series, and again, it, it I, I would I would think Nashville, Tennessee, is one of my favorite places in the world as well. Uh, it's going to be probably the best place to watch that series because you've got fans of both teams. It'll be really cool, and uh, and young fans that'll be hearing about it at school. So I, I can't wait, Clay. Tell your son to enjoy the series, and, and let me know how how his experience rooting rooting for the Braves goes. Here, I know. 
know I said last question, but you mentioning Nashville quickly here. Did you see that there is a group in Nashville that is aggressively pursuing a Major League Baseball franchise that released plans for a downtown baseball stadium? I'm not sure if you saw that. Um, Yeah, I, I did. What do you think the chances are of baseball expansion and a city like Nashville getting a team? Like, what do you hear there? I think, Clay, I'll say this. I think in 10 years... And it's a long, long runway for me to be hopefully be right about this. But yes, I think I think in the next in the next decade, uh, we will see 32 teams in the major leagues, and I think Nashville has as good of a chance as any other city in North America to land a baseball team. And I the really team, believe the, that. the cities that you think would be contending it would be like Portland, Las yeah, Vegas, Portland, and Nashville, North America. Montreal. Yeah, and and I and I think those are probably Vegas is another one. Yeah. Um, and in, in Mexico City has been mentioned before, um, I, I, but I think right now we'll see if if the Rays end up having to move. If they do, uh, Nashville is a possibility. Montreal is a possibility. But then once once the Oakland and Tampa situations get resolved, then you can expand to wherever you think is the best spot. And I really think MLB will look at Nashville's growth and say and how much they love baseball and say that's a great spot to put a team although i'll mention this to you clay quickly and and, and you'll you'll identify with this my brother of course has lived in nashville for a long time yeah yeah and i I said i said what do you think about nashville getting a team and and, and there was a sigh he said oh the traffic's already so bad (laughs) well it's almost like he wants to hang a sign that says we love our town, but all filled up, and and uh, no more stadiums. It's kind of it's kind of his that. Attitude. That's my argument later. I want to say like, yeah, we've got a good. Yeah, we uh, if we had to like uh, almost limit the number of people who could come in right now. But they're talking about a downtown stadium. I will say, with the amount yeah. of tourist traffic, I think there would be a lot of people walking to games from uh, downtown Nashville who would be able to. Uh, I check think it'd that be out. great, great baseball. I would just tell my brother to not worry about the traffic and and uh, and embrace it because uh, I really think Nashville, with how much they love baseball there, it's a great baseball community. You think about. Mookie Betts and all the Robbie Ray, all these great players that have come there. A lot of players live there now. Frankly, uh, it's just it's a it's a fantastic city and a great sports city. I think it'd be a, an amazing major league city. So I believe Clay, we'll we'll call it in ten years. I would say is better chance than not. Let's say you got a baseball team in Nashville, Tennessee by twenty thirty. Outstanding stuff as always, John Morosi. Appreciate the time. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the playoffs. Thanks for spending your time with us. Enjoy Houston as well. Yeah. Uh, Good stuff, as always. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. 
And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.